Look, payday's awesome, but running payroll, calculating taxes and deductions, staying compliant, that's not easy. Unless, of course, you have Gusto. Gusto is a simple online payroll and benefits tool built for small businesses like yours. Gusto gets your team paid while automatically filing your payroll taxes. Plus, you can offer benefits like 401k, health insurance, and workers' comp, and it makes onboarding new employees a breeze. We love it so much, we really do use it ourselves, and we have four years, and I personally recommend you give it a try, no matter how small your business is. And to sweeten the deal, just for listening today, you also get three months free. Go to gusto.com slash boss. that's gusto.com slash boss. I'm Emily Thompson. And I'm Kathleen Shannon. And this is Being Boss. In this episode of Being Boss, Kathleen and I are recording live, surrounded virtually with our community of creative business owners for the Being Boss Conference. What's up, bosses? We are so excited to be here. So excited. So this is actually day three. So this is actually our last session, last like official session. We do have a a social, a Zoom social this evening. This is our last official session. Um, The theme of this conference has been making time to shine, which we chose because it brought together two of the biggest struggles that so many of you face as creatives and as entrepreneurs, both time management, hold on, both time management and marketing. About the time that I was coming up with and settling on that theme, which was a direct result of the listener survey that we did past sum- this past summer. So if you ever see those coming through your inbox or on social go fill that out because I actually use that data. Um, But about that time, I decided to sit down in a webinar that was hosted by Shopify about preparing your e-commerce business for the holiday season. So I show up for this webinar and I found today's guest is the host of that webinar. She was this vibrant, enthusiastic business owner with a massive personality, some mad business chops, and a story that I found inspiring. And about halfway through the webinar, I had sufficiently online stalked her as much as I could. And I knew that I could not do a conference about shining without having today's guest be Vivian Kay. Vivian Kay is a 14-year veteran entrepreneur who has bootstrapped two companies from the ground up. For the last seven years, she has strictly focused on the e-commerce world where she built Kinky Curly Yaki, which offers textured hair extensions for Black women to over $1 million in annual revenue. Vivian has been featured on Shopify's Expert Academy series, TED Conferences, The Way We Work, and has been featured in digital publications such as Black Enterprise, Ebony Magazine, and Refinery29. Vivian, welcome to Being Boss. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Uh, Vivian, we've gotten to know you a little bit over the past couple of days. You've popped in on some of our sessions. You've been offering us so much guidance and Um, radiance and your smarts and all of the things. So now I'm dying to hear your story. Like, can you, can we, let's rewind a little bit and we're going to get into all of the wisdom that you have to share, but I want to know more about your entrepreneurial journey. So tell us like, where did it begin? How did you get to where you are now being on TED and Refinery29. This morning, I saw on your Instagram, you were on somebody's vision board. Like, talk about goals. How did you get there? Uh, You know, honestly, I really don't know. uh, Because it's not like being an entrepreneur was a big thing, right? So, uh, you know, back when I was growing up, being an entrepreneur was for people who didn't have jobs. Um, And so what I kept, you know, I was always in jobs where I was the one person department, one person marketing department. Um, And then, um, you know, I was at a job one day and decided to start um, side hustling. So I started out my first business as a side hustle. Um, And then while I was running that side hustle, I got fired for, sorry, I got laid off. That's the technical (laughs) term. Um, I got laid off from that job. And then at that point I said, you know what, let me just let me just go for it. 
let me just go for it and do whatever I need to do because I'm young, I'm free and you know, I can, I can do whatever I want. And while I was running that business, I started running. Um, and then I had, I started a side hustle with kinky curly yaki. So it was like, I had two businesses running at the same time. Um, so it wasn't something that I set out to do, but with both businesses, I set out to solve my own problem. And at the time I didn't realize that that was the best way to start a business. Um, but that's what it was. I set out to start to solve my own problem or to solve a pain point that I saw people were having. So, um, so that's how my entrepreneurial journey began. What was the first side hustle? The first side hustle was a wedding decorator. So all I would do was go in and decorate people's weddings. So instead of being an an event planner, like doing, you know, doing all those little things, I focused on one thing. And what it was, was that I decided, um, so there's a whole story behind that. So I'm uh, one of four girls and I'm the second, I'm the number two. So my older one was getting married. My older sister was getting married and she hired a decorator who, um, who said she would decorate the wedding for say a thousand dollars, right? So she paid her deposit. Everything was good. But two weeks before the wedding, she came back and said, I need another thousand dollars, but didn't have a reason why. Right. So I thought, well, you know, of course she couldn't have paid for, uh, she couldn't afford to pay her. So she ended up having to hire a different decorator and that decorator did a, a craptastic job. And so then I'm like, man, why is it so difficult? Why can't decorators just say that they're going to do X, Y, Z, and this is what it costs, and that's what they do, and keep it simple. So then I thought, well, I'm just going to, I've always been into decor and HGTV, and when TLC used to be more home decor than reality. Um, so I would, um, so I started, I decided I wanted to be a wedding decorator. I wanted to create weddings that were f- simple but fabulous. So I would ask my brides, like, okay, so do you remember the last wedding that you went to? And they would say yes. I was like, well, do you remember the centerpieces or the decor? They're like, I remember it was pretty. I'm like, that's what we're going to do. So instead of spending, you know, mortgage down payments on decor, why not create something that is memorable but affordable? And people will just remember it was pretty and that's it. So that's what I set out to do. And it, it, was a, it was a great success. And this was a business that I started with no prior knowledge. Like I just figured it out as I was going along. And so I can tell that you're a branding lover at heart because you're like, forget pretty, I want memorable. And I think that this is going to be a thread that we weave through all of your stories. But before we get to connecting those thoughts, I want to hear more about Kinky Curly Yucky. So what was... What was the problem that that was solving and how did, well, I, I'm the worst at doing this. I always do this. I always ask two questions in a row. So question one is more about kinky curly yaki. What problem did that solve? And then I'm really curious to hear a little bit more about how I do think that whenever we have side hustles and even day jobs and we're trying on a bunch of different things, they all start to tie together in some ways. Like we're always learning lessons from one thing to the next. So I'm also really curious to hear what lessons did you learn from wedding decorating that you were able to take to Kinky Curly Yaki? That's a great question. Okay. So the first question was um, how Kinky Curly Yaki even started. Why yeah, did I what was about? the problem? So the problem was I, as I was a wedding decorator, and so I'm, uh, I actually live in Toronto. So it's one of the most, Toronto, Canada, and it's one of the most diverse cities in the world. So I was doing everyone's wedding from, you know, the, the Muslims to South Asian to Indian to everyone. I was doing everyone's wedding. So um, this is going to be a bit, I'll explain if anyone really wants to know the real detailed answer. I could always do that at a later point, but for black women, we have to present, we have to show up in the world in a certain way, which is quote unquote presentable. So at most, at a lot of times wearing our hair as it is naturally, um, with kinky curly, with like, you know, with kinky hair, um, it's not professional, quote unquote professional. So I wanted something that looked like my hair, but would protect my hair because our hair is not suited to this North American environment. It's, it, it, there's not moisture. It dries out really quickly. Um, but anyways, I wanted something that looked like my hair and no one would ask me where I bought it. Cause I didn't want that whole Nicki Minaj, 32 inches of blonde weave down to my butt. I wanted something that looked presentable. 
So I searched and searched and searched for something that looked like my hair. And then when I found it, I wore it to a meetup, uh, you know, to just like a general networking event. And another black woman came to me and said, who is your hairdresser? And what is your regimen for keeping your hair like that? And I said, girl, this is a weave. And she was like, I would buy that. And this was in, this was in 2011. So I thought, well, if she would buy it and I bought it, there's got to be at least a dozen other women who would buy it too. Now, when I was looking to solve my problem, I saw, like, I saw the gap in the market. I thought there are no companies just selling kinky hair, but I was already running this successful decor business. I was buying my coach bags. I was going on vacation. I was happy with that. And then I decided, then I thought, well, you know, you know, weddings have a down season. I was like, you know what? I can't like it. It kept itching the back of my brain. So then I said to myself, you know what? In the down season of, of, of Vivian's decor, I'm going to launch this company. And I literally made up the name while I was in the shower. Like I was like, kinky, curly, yaki. Oh, okay. And I bought a domain name and I launched it in December of 2012. And it immediately took off. Okay. So I actually do want to hear the details about the actual hair. <laughs> If you don't mind. No, no worries. Because, okay, so I remember talking to Emily in the early days of Almanac Supply Company, which is her business, and she was trying to find very specific candle containers to pour her candles into. And we talked about some deep Googling, like how you just have to search, like get real good at searching. So how did you... Well, I guess my two questions are, it was a weave, but it looked natural. So I think that this goes back to that, almost that branding conversation of like, it doesn't have to look quote unquote professional. Let's make it memorable. Like, let's just make it bigger. Let's make it more of a statement, which I think is so cool. So I guess I have two questions here. One, how did you find the natural hair? If there was that gap in the market, how did you find a weave that had the natural texture and then, and that might be giving away too much of your secret sauce. Like, you know, you might not have to answer that one. But like, how do you, how do you find the materials? And then I guess my next question is, how did you start to then scale and expound upon that, not having any experience in that industry? Um, so how, so the key was that I was trying to solve my own problem. So, um, what I was doing is I would, I was doing that deep Googling. I was in Facebook groups. I was on hair care, black hair care forums, just, you know, just talking with other people and people, of course, at that time, a lot of people were sharing, okay, well, I bought this here. I bought that there. And so then I would of course make note of that because again, at the time I was not looking to start another business. I was just looking to solve my own problem. So I wrote, you know, I would contact every single factory, every single manufacturer, every single website that said that they would do kinky hair. And then once I found the one, I was like, wow, this actually is pretty decent. I would ask them to tweak it a little bit just to suit my needs. Um, and they did it. And I was like, huh, okay. And then when I thought, well, after the girl confirmed my idea, um, I decided, okay, well, let me see if the same factory can still do it. And I would order the same product under different names and ask them to do different things to it, and they would do it. So I thought, okay, okay, I'm on to something here. And so that's how, um, that's how I was able to, I guess, perfect the product. Because again, I, I like to say I get high on my own supply. So that's the beauty of the business is that I am my own customer. I know what I'm looking for. I know what problems I'm looking to solve. I know what my pain points would be and what other black women's pain points would be. And the only person who's able to address that is me. So, of course, I use that to my advantage, uh, you know, to tell my brand story. Um, but at the time, again, I listen, I'm an immigrant. I'm a college dropout and I'm now a single mother. Um, so I had no clue about all these, you know, storytelling and branding and market. I had no <laughs> clue. I just thought what I was just doing, what came, what came naturally to me. So, um, so how I scaled that business? Well, I think one of the mistakes that a lot of people are making in starting businesses is that they don't have an audience for the product that they have. And so then what I had done, again, I had inadvertently created an audience by, part by being on those Facebook, uh, Facebook um, forums, uh, Facebook groups, 
the black hair care forums, because I was shining and just being Vivian online, people remembered me. So then the funny thing was when I, uh, when I, when the business launched, no one knew it was me. I didn't, it's not like I, I wasn't, my face wasn't the face of the brand. It was just like, here's some products. You guys will love it. Oh my gosh. And people bought it. But what happened was, um, I was in a Facebook group and someone, I didn't do the who is on the back end of my website. I didn't do the who is privacy on the back end of my product. Someone in one of the Facebook groups created a fake Facebook profile and posted all my information in those Facebook groups saying, this is the person who owns that brand. So what she meant to, to like, to help me, to make me fail actually was what turned my, like was what actually skyrocketed my business. Because once people found out that I was the person behind that brand, they were like, well, shoot, I'm going to, I'm going to support her because she's this, she's that. I remember her. She's great. She's awesome. And that's what took off. So I realized then that my brand, my person, like who I am is what is going to help me succeed in business. Amen. I, I resonate so much with what you're saying and I have a branding agency as well and really focus on personal branding. And I, I feel like One, a lot of people always tell you, you need to identify your customer and what they need. But I always think it really does start with you. If you can start with what you need and what you like, you can trust that we're not all that different. And that if you can just get specific about yourself, you're going to be getting specific about your dream customer. So we are so aligned there. And then the fact that I mean, it was an unfortunate and, you know, really inappropriate way to learn the power of personal branding, but you did learn the power of personal branding. So that is incredibly exciting. And I, I we're going to dig into more about like how you leverage that and who you are and what you do and how you bring it into your business and draw boundaries and all of the things. But we do have an attendee question that I want to slide in here, if we may. Um, and this question is from Meredith. And I think especially for creatives who is, you know, most of our crowd here, then we, um, I'd like to hear your, hear your thoughts on this. So here's your question. Um, so Vivian said she had the hair problem herself and chose to solve it, but what kept her on that path instead of ending up as an all purpose beauty guru or similar? You know, to be honest, hair is not my jam. Um, so really what I, how I think of it is just the ends to a means, wait, or a means to an end. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's the mm-hmm. means to an end. So my real goal is to give black women confidence to show up as they are in the world. So hair just so happens to be the, the means to that end. So how I just stick to hair uh, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at focusing on the one thing. Like it's like, what I've learned is, um, you know, niche. And, and that's my, I, I will preach about, I, I say niche, but it's niche. You know what? It's either. We can use them interchangeably. Potato, potato. Okay. So with niche, I find that if you speak to a very specific group of people and you sell them a very specific product, they will be your most loyal fans. They are cheaper to market to. They are, um, you know, you know more about them, especially when you already are them. So for me, that makes it very easy to stick to that one thing because I know that very well and I can speak to it. Now, let's just say if I started venturing into, I don't know, say makeup, girl, I don't even know how to put on eyeshadow, right? So it wouldn't, it wouldn't, I wouldn't have that authentic voice. I can't lend that authenticity to that product. But what I do know is hair. I'm not a hairdresser. I'm not a hairstylist, but I had a, because I had a a passion for solving my own problem so that I could show up as quote unquote professional in the world. I can solve that. I know what looks professional for me. And if, you know, I learned if you don't like it, that's your problem, not mine. Right. So we, as a black women, what started in 2000, I want to say in 2011, 2012, is that YouTube. We started all jumping on YouTube and teaching each other how to care for our hair. We stopped putting, because before we used to put chemicals in our hair in order to straighten it to look, to to fit that European standard of beauty. 
But then we were like, you know what? I'm tired of that crap. We're tired of that. We don't want that. That's not how the hair grows out of our heads. You're either going to accept us as we are or not. Right. So, um, so the goal of, of making black women confident in how they show up in the world is really what keeps me focused on hair. There's other people. And I, and I realize I'm really good at that. So if I just, if you just focus on the one thing, that one goal, your why, then you're able, you're not going to get distracted by all the shiny mirror, all the, the, the shiny objects that are floating around. Cause yeah, I could make some easy money doing makeup, but I'm not passionate about that. That's, I don't, that doesn't, that's not my jam. I love that what you did was instead of doing the shoulds or what people may have expected, you just stuck with the thing. I think oftentimes people in this crowd see either see someone who have sort of diverged from that path. So they're thinking, okay, I should, I should diversify as well. Or they, you know, sort of get these little inklings of like going to different things. I love that what you've done is just focused. You focused on doing the one thing amazingly well. Exactly. And that's, and that's the one, like if I had to give one piece of advice to anyone is do that one thing and do it really well before you move on to anything else. Because, you know, doing that one thing really, 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 I know. And I'm really, really, I'm really (laughs) emphasizing that really. If you do that one thing really well, guess what? You can do anything. You can apply that same thing. So that's what I learned in Vivian's decor. I learned that if I kept it simple and I just focused on providing my brides with this one product and do it really well, it would speak for itself. So I took that same simple yet fabulous and I applied it to Kinky Curly Yaki. So people are like, oh, what's Kinky? I, let me explain the name. So Kinky Curly Yaki, what is that? So it's Kinky, you know, for kinky hair, then it's curly for curly hair, and then there's Yaki. So Yak, uh, so Yaki actually is short for Yak or I guess the long form for Yak. So uh, back in the day when they wanted to mimic black women's hair straightened, they used hair from a yak, the animal. So um, the industry just put an eye on the end and called it yaki. So you would know what yaki was if you were a black woman. So any black woman would be like, oh, girl, yo, you got that yaki in. And um, so it's a sort of tongue in cheek. So you would have to be the part of that target demographic in order to understand the name of the, the, the name of the brand. So yeah, I love that. You were very specific about your dream customer too. Exactly, because I was her. I get high on my own supply. <laughs> so at some point, did you end up closing the decorating business? I did. Um, I closed it. I shut it down um, back in 2015. And the only reason why I did is because I got pregnant. Okay, say more. (laughs) Yeah, so I launched Kinky Curliaki in December of 2012. Um, By July of 2013, I was, you know, the business was doing really well. Um, At that point, it was, um, I was just doing just under $400,000 in sales. Um, And uh, I found out in July, I was pregnant. And so I was like, oh, gosh. Um, and so, um, but you know, with my industry, you know, with wedding decor, I had brides booked a year out. Right. So, um, so I was still doing those weddings, you know, still going to the, the, still going to meetings, breastfeeding, doing weddings, that type of thing. Um, and then I started, and I wasn't really paying attention to what Kinky Curliaki was doing. I didn't know all these numbers until later on because I was doing it just because like, I just loved it. And I was learning about HTML and marketing and SEO and all. I just, I just threw myself into it, but wasn't paying attention to the numbers. I just knew it was doing well. But then when I found out I was pregnant, I was like, okay, okay, Vivian, you got to chill. You got to chill. You can't be, can't be doing everything. Um, and then uh, in 2014, March of 2014, I gave birth to my son um, and he's been wonderful ever since he's six now. Uh, and then, uh, I, I saw what Kinky Curliaki was doing and I thought, man, I'm really half-assing it. What happens if I put my full ass into this? And once I did again, it took off. So, so yeah. Okay. So I, I know that whenever entrepreneurs are listening to this or side hustlers are listening to this, they're like, wait a second, she accidentally created a half a million dollar business and wasn't even paying attention. So how does that happen? Did Was that like word of mouth or referral? Did you have launches? Did you have specific marketing plans? What did that look like for you? I had none of that. What I had was 
what people knew me from in the Facebook groups and and because uh, I was also I'm also the OG of the niche. So there was this niche of just selling kinky hair did not exist before I start before I created my company. So because I saw a gap in the market, I'm a I, I pioneered that. So any other company that you now see selling kinky hair is because of me. And so then because I was first to market with that, um, that just that, it exploded because that's what women were looking for. I was solving their problem. And on top of that, I looked like them. Right. So it's like they were like, girl, you know, because one of my things would be like, girl, I was tired of the whole African in the front and Indian in the back. And if you're a black woman, you know what that means. So what that means is, you know, we're all from, uh, you know, black women are from, you know, the African diaspora. So we had these tight, kinky hair. And then we were putting on these silky weaves that didn't blend with our hair. So I was tired of the whole African in the front and Indian in the back. And that resonated with people. So it just, and I, I didn't do, I didn't, I, and here's another thing. I just literally launched with one product. I launched with one product and it, I only had three lengths. <laughs> I only had three lengths, I remember at the time, and someone would buy one, I would take that money and go and buy two. And, and that's how I built my business. I didn't, I bootstrapped it. I started from zero. I have, I took no outside capital. I didn't have any debt. I literally started from the bottom. And was it easy? No, no, it wasn't. Is it possible? Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to take a little break here because we've got to tell you about working smarter and not harder and leveraging the tools that you have so that you can be a confident, creative business owner. FreshBooks Cloud Accounting is one of those tools that can help. Whether you are a side hustler or working for yourself full time, you'll learn quickly that as a creative entrepreneur, the work that you do isn't always creative. FreshBooks Cloud Accounting is here to help you save time with your accounting so you can focus on the work you love to do. I personally use and love FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. It's easy, intuitive, it's visual, but also incredibly robust and it helps to keep me organized. FreshBooks Cloud Accounting has automated systems that will help you track your expenses and invoice your clients so you can get paid faster without the headache of chasing down payment. FreshBooks is the number one cloud accounting software designed to make billing painless for small businesses, freelancers, and their teams. Today, over 10 million small businesses use FreshBooks to effortlessly send professional-looking invoices, organize expenses, and track their billable time. Try FreshBooks Cloud Accounting by going to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and enter beingboss in the how did you hear about us section. Nice job, Kathleen. (laughs) And we're back. So I want to talk a little bit about authenticity because you, I feel like that's at like the core of who you are is being who you are, even whenever it's not um, by design, you know, it just kind of showed up that way. You are your own client. And I think that's one of the greatest ways to be authentic whenever it comes to creating what you do. Um, So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, why do you think that authenticity and being true to yourself and using your own personality is important for anyone who is building a business or a brand? Because people don't necessarily, one of the biggest things people need to keep in mind is people aren't necessarily buying the product. Um, as you can see, it's not like I'm the first person to ever sell kinky textured hair extensions. In fact, there were tons of companies that had it, but they, what they did was they buried it underneath the silkier texture. So I'm not the first person to sell kinky textured hair extensions, but what people don't realize is that people aren't necessarily buying the product. They're buying the person or they're buying the emotions. They're buying the lifestyles behind the product. So brand is where you can tell that story. So branding will help you um, to help you stand out in the crowd. It will help people remember. And especially when you have a story that resonates with someone, that's what they're buying into. They could care. I mean, yeah, you could, you could be selling something that's more expensive and more, you know, has less uh, tools and less this and less that. But what they're buying is the person or the idea or the emotions behind it. Um, so I, that's what I realized very quickly 
is, you know, especially in the wedding decor business, people will be like, wow, Vivian, you made me, you made it feel so simple and you made me feel so comfortable and you made this process so easy for me. And I realized it doesn't, I could go learn how to do all the fancy, you know, all the fancy decor all I want, but that's not what they care about. They care that I made them feel good about the money that they were spending and made their wedding feel pretty. Like I made them feel that way. So that's, that's really what you should focus on. I love that you said that you're not the first person to sell kinky or natural hair extensions, but that it's been buried. And so you took a product, you niched in on it, and then you highlighted it. And it's beautiful. And you're owning it and you're helping other women own it. I'm curious a little bit with some of the activism around natural hair. California has banned hair discrimination. It's something that I was so excited to see and want to continue to see. Are there any levels of like activism or do you think that even products like yours have helped create that kind of um, activism? You know, do you think that it's like, no, this is who we are and this is just as professional as any other hair? Well, I think the problem was, was that we were letting, uh, you know, black women in general, we were letting the world tell us what was beautiful. And, uh, you know, YouTube and, you know, the, the beauty of the internet was us being able to see each other, people outside of our own communities and how they look and how they rock their hair and all that jazz. So I think really it, it just helped people just be who they wanted, like just to be who they are, like just to be their authentic selves. And truth be told, and this is just women in general, because even society tells us women what we're supposed to look like. Like, I'm pretty sure after this quarantine thing is done, there's going to be a lot of people who were blonde that aren't blonde anymore. Right. <laughs> but, but, you know, with black women, we're, we're especially, you know, we're, we're especially, um, I don't want to say, I was to just say hated on because of how we look. And so then this, I feel was just the way to just be like, listen, world, we have to teach, we have to teach the world. This is how we are. If they don't like it, that is their problem because this is how my hair, this is how the hair grows out of my head naturally. Yes, it's curly. It goes, it goes to the heavens because that makes me closer to God in the sun. Right. And so if that's not something you think is professional, then I think you really need to reexamine what your idea of professional is, Karen. Sorry, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it just goes to show that Chad. <laughs> representation matters. It absolutely. And that does. is what the internet gave us. It gave yeah. us access to each other and to um to all kinds of beauty and bodies and ways of being, right? And it allowed us to see ourselves in others. And we can't help it but need permission, you know, and that permission sometimes is just simply in representation. I have so many role models where I'm like, oh, I didn't know I could do that until I saw them do it. Yeah. And you're providing tools for that awareness as well, which I think is like, that's an important part of this too. It's not only having access to the vision, but it's having access to the tools too. And that's even what you've done. Okay, Vivian, you are you you just radiate confidence. I, we all see it. We all feel it over these past couple of days. Do you well, some of our listeners or our attendees here today want to know, do you ever doubt yourself? Like do you ever have what we call here at being boss fraudy feelings? I mean, especially going into industries that you didn't have experience in. Absolutely. Um, you know, I battle with imposter syndrome, fraudy feelings all the time. Um, but then I think to myself, you know what, if I don't do what I'm put on this earth to do, then nobody will, nobody will be able to do it either. Because people who need, who look like me, or even in the same situation as me. So like I said, I'm a single mom. I've been through depression. I've been suicide. I've been through all the things that tried me and I came out gold. So if I don't tell that story, if I don't tell people how it's done, then everyone's just, this is going to be one hell of a boring world. So if I let that imposter syndrome eat me, eat away at me, then that's not, that's not fair. That's not fair to anyone. Right. So I shine so that everyone else can shine too. 
Right. That's like holding your purpose higher than your emotions. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for the eyebrows, Kathleen. Sometimes I say things, she's like, yes. Yes. And you know what? With this quarantine, my Botox has worn off, so you can see my reactions. <laughs> That's right. That's you what can it see is. my eyebrows moving now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Cackling. I love it. I'm cackling. <laughs> right. I'd like to bring this to some personal branding things, which we've talked a little bit about in the conference, but not everyone has been a part of the conference. Like listening to this, we have so many more people who have been who have been here um, with us for the past couple of days. So I want to talk about this personal branding piece. Um, and if you have any sort of top tips um, for anyone who's looking to infuse more of their personality into their brand, how can just any old person, and by any old person, I mean everyone is a snowflake, um, how can anyone shine in their business um, and use themselves as a tool for growth? Um, well, what I want to remind people is you don't need to be me. So you, you know, there's, if, if you think about uh, people, like if you think about gems, right, there's different gems, gems, ruby shine differently than a diamond and then emeralds. Then that, so you need to be exactly that. So be yourself because the minute you start being someone who you're not, it's going to feel like work. It's going to feel, um, you're going to hate it. Um, people will see right through it. So you really don't have any choice but to be yourself. And so sometimes that means you being quirky or it means, um, you know, maybe you do more blogging than you do video or, you know, whatever the case may be. But you just need to show up as yourself in whatever platform and however way you want to do it. And the people who it will resonate with will find you. They will find you. So don't be, please don't be anybody else. You don't that's not what you were put on this earth to be, to be someone else. Like, and you're just doing yourself a huge disservice by not being yourself. How do you, when do you feel the most yourself, Vivian? Like sometimes it's hard to know, like what, what is me? What should I be sharing? Where do I draw these lines? You know what, you know, you know where the lines to, where are to be drawn right? You, you know, you know, like, you know, and we women, that's one thing I, I find with, especially with women. I know I, there's a lot of things I'm finding, but anywho, with women, we need to trust our guts. We're always second guessing ourselves and we're always doing all these things, but you just need to trust yourself because you know what, you know where that line is. You know what you should be sharing and what you shouldn't be sharing. Someone was just commenting that I'm like very existential with my questions, which is basically sums it up. I'm like, but but what even are we but a bundle of cells? What does it all mean? What is time? What is personality? Oh. <laughs> what is money? <laughs> so sorry, ask me. So ask me the question again so I can say it all night. Nice. So the question is, when do you feel most yourself? Like, how do you know, like, what is authentically you? Because I think that all of us want to show up as we are and who we are. But it, we can start to like second guess ourselves. So you were saying like, we, we as women need to listen more to our guts. Like we know it's in our guts. But how do you tune into that? Like I know, like let's just say I remember doing a couple of years ago. I did um, a hair, like I was, I was asked to speak at a hair, like a beauty hair brand thing, and I didn't like it because hair was not my passion. I could kid, I could give two kicks about hair, but put me on a, put me in a, in a forum or you know an opportunity like this. This is where I shine. So I know, you know, you know, like you know, like you know. And so that's the only that's the only way I can I can explain. We know, you know, you know. Right. And I think even what you're explaining is that you know by trying things and then like listening to yourself. Right. So you did the hair thing or you went and spoke at the hair thing and you were like, eh, this feels gross. Like, but you wouldn't have known that if you hadn't tried it first. Exactly. And that's the key to life too. You gotta try. You gotta try, you gotta try, you gotta try, because that's the only way you're gonna find out what you like and, and don't like. You can apply that to life. Like, you know, you don't know you like kale until you try it. You don't know you like guys that do this until you try it. You have to go through and try a bunch of different things. And then, and you know, one of the things I started to realize, cause I'm, I'm, I'm 42. So at 40, I was like, you know what? I'm done trying to live in this box. Like I'm done. It's over. I'm, you know, Vivian means lively one, right? So Vivian, you just need to go about living your best life because 
but like, you know, all before I was 40, I kept trying to be, I was like, everyone kept trying to put me in this box. So, you know, be a box, go in the box. But you know what I discovered? I discovered that I was a parallelogram. <laughs> you know what a parallelogram is? <laughs> it's a sideways box. It's a rectangle that has sideways. Just Google it. Okay. I was a parallelogram and I was tired of being put into the box. And so once I turned 40, I just flipped the bird to everything and said, you know what? Again, if you do not like it, I do not care. That is not my problem. You can go kick rocks with an open toe shoe. That's it. Period. My God. Yes. Okay. <laughs> with that, we're taking another break. You also have so many. Hold on. I have to read this thing over here that Tasha said before we take a break. So Tasha says, and I have to, this is great. My field of fucks has been reaped and there are none. Done. <laughs> oh, I, okay. I was, I, well, I won't curse because my son is here, but um. yeah. Just imagine right. that filled with curses. Love it. <laughs> Love it. All right. One of our very favorite ways to show up from a place of authenticity and market who you are is by teaching what you know. We all have subjects where we're an expert from setting up a new e-commerce website to how to bake the best cookies. And selling that knowledge through online courses, digital downloads, and memberships is how we can add revenue to our bank accounts while sharing what we know with the world. But how do you sell these things, especially if the technology freaks you out? Check out Podia, a hassle-free platform for creatives who want to earn a living from their passion. They make creating and selling online courses, digital downloads, and memberships easy, and they have a soft spot in their hearts for bosses. Today would not be possible without their help. So hop along and go create the course you've been dreaming about. You can get 14 days free with no credit card required by going to podia.com slash bosses. Poor Corey sometimes has to listen to me read an ad like four times before I can get the whole thing done. It is everyone send some love to Corey right now. <laughs> Aww, Corey, we love you. Right. All right. So in this next little segment that we have. I want to talk about e-commerce because that's one of the things that sort of connected us through that webinar months and months ago. It's something that uh, most of the bosses here are familiar with or in, um, and it's something that you are an expert at. So as an expert in the e-commerce, I got this, guys. <laughs> as an expert in the e-commerce industry and as a coach, because we know that coaches are having conversations with lots of kinds of businesses. What do you see happening in e-commerce right now? And what do you see changing? Mm, that's a good question too. So what I see happening in e-commerce is focus on brand, I would say, because the market's been pretty flooded with the drop shippers. So the people who are just peddling you know, the products from China and don't even have eyes on the product and don't tell a story behind it. Um, and then of course, Amazon, Amazon has had a huge impact on e-commerce. Um, but then people I think are tired or the consumer is tired of that. No name, no experience, no emotions behind purchase style, I guess you could call it. So what's emerging in e-commerce is a more personal, um, a more focus on personalization, a more focus on brand storytelling, a more focus on um, um, supporting the little guy, right? Because, Am I mean, listen, during this whole COVID situation, Amazon's going to be okay. I, 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 you know, I think the other day I read that he made like whatever billion dollars in a week, but can't afford to pay the warehouse workers. But you know, that same money that you spent on Amazon you could spend it on a small e-commerce business that would carefully package your product and write a thank you note and give you a more, um, um, you know, a more emotional purchase, I guess, you, yeah. for lack of a better term. Um, so what I'm seeing is brand. Brand is becoming a focus. Storytelling is becoming more of a focus. Your why, telling your customer your why you're doing it is becoming more of a focus for e-commerce. I have a confession to make. I really loved my two-day prime and I became hooked on it, you know, like Amazon became a drug, right? And I, I felt bad about it and I knew I should be doing better. And of course, with some of the, 
you know, artists and stuff, I was getting that direct from my friends who have brands and businesses. Um, But for some of the general stuff, I was like, why not prime it? Well, now that it's taken two or three weeks to get my stuff from Amazon, and I feel guilty buying non-essential stuff from Amazon because I know about the warehouse workers, it's shining a light on what was kind of already wrong with it. And I... I don't have too many opinions. I'm not well informed enough on Amazon. I'm not trying to be a hater right now. But what I am is now a lover. I am a lover of the small businesses. I'm going back to finding, okay, who's offering the alternative? Where can I get, you know, the face masks sewn by the artisan? And it's also going to take a week to ship, but in some, now it's faster than Amazon. And so it's really helped me reorient my values and reorient me to the brands and businesses that really care and are really making a difference. And like you said, Vivian, that they have a story and supporting each other. It's so huge right now. I think the market was flooded before, but now more than ever, we have to step up for each other. Yeah. And even now it's like people are now understanding that sense of community, right? It's like, okay, you know, now they understand. Like, cause that's the, I mean, it's terrible to say, but the beauty of COVID is that everyone is in the same situation. So now it's making you take a better look at how you've been living. So yeah, you got used to Amazon Prime and you were doing Botox and you were doing this, but now you realize, you know, girl, I look fine without the Botox. I can wait a week if I, if that means I'm supporting, you know, a friend that, or, you know, someone, a friend of a friend of a friend that's doing this business, selling the exact same thing. Yeah, I could have got it from Amazon within two days, but did I really need it in two days? No, because like you said, Amazon created a drug and it made it hard for us smaller e-commerce businesses to keep up with them. So now it almost feels like we're on the same level as Amazon, Mm -hmm. right? And we can compete with that. And how we can compete with Amazon is with brand. And what also people, people also forget that Amazon started out as a niche product. All they sold was books before, but they got really, 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 really good at selling books. And then they expanded the market. So they went deep before they started going wide. So that's a, a threw in that threw in that little tip too. Well, <laughs> Maybe, I just but, yeah. want to be real clear. I don't get my Botox from Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> so don't worry about that, you all. Oh my god, I love but it. Can I say you look great? Like I don't like it, like girl, you don't need it. Come on now. <laughs> I will say too, I love this drug analogy because whenever Amazon first came up, that's what I was thinking about is like Amazon has become a drug that we just like buy now, buy now, here two days, buy now, like get those little hits of Amazon. And now those hits hit different. And where the good hits come from is from buying local and buying small. Um, We definitely feel it is so much more meaningful to us now. And that meaningfulness more so than the um, immediate, um, what is that? Immediate gratification, immediate hit, right? Immediate ha, (laughs) whatever it may be. Um, It's like poppers versus, I don't know my drugs well enough to (laughs) go deep into this analogy. But you know what it's forcing you to do? It's forcing you to get high on your own supply, on your own face and accept your face for what it is and the beauty that is Kathleen. Right. No, but it's true. I think that there is something to it's so funny with this whole I wasn't planning on the conversation going here. But with this whole COVID thing, I feel like I've turned into like my World War Two grandparents, like I am saving my tinfoil. I am checking in on my neighbors. Uh I mean, we're all sewing. We're all sewing our own masks. I mean, we are getting crafty and we're getting resourceful. And I do think that on the other side of this, we can hold those values in place. And again, it really does come back to shopping small because these problems weren't, it's not that they weren't there before. They were there before. This is just shining a big old light on all the inequities, on all the broken systems. Um, that were already in place that so many people have already been trying to scream about for years and nobody was listening. So I think that this has forced everybody to listen and everybody to reevaluate what really matters. And it's these small brands, it's creative entrepreneurs, because I think we're also going to see that we're the ones that provide the soul and the beauty 
and the like what makes life interesting. Big box is not interesting. It's not coming back to Vivian. It's not memorable. You say that, but I'm also like, I can't wait to go to Target. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally agree, though. But there's balance, right? There's there's a balance to be had because, yeah, you can go to Amazon and still get your essentials, right? But, you know, if you, like, girl, if you just want to buy, um, you know, some candles, then maybe you should support the girl that, you know, that you saw at the farmer's market. Maybe you should support, you know, your friend of a friend of a friend or whoever the case may be. Yes, creativity is a... I can't swear, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Mm, I love this. Okay. So now that we have slipped into COVID a little bit, I would love to hear, um, just sort of briefly without getting hated, because <laughs> I think we can all get really heated really quickly. It just as someone who's in e-commerce in this time, I think it would help everyone to hear what sort of shifts you're making in your business. What sort of plans are you laying in place? Or are you just like, chilling and waiting because I know plenty of people who are doing that too. Uh, yeah, I'm basically just floating uh, just because, uh, you know, to be honest, hair extensions aren't an essential. It's more of a luxury. And mm -hmm. especially because I sell a premium product, um, I don't want to sound tone deaf and saying, hey girl, you know, take your, like Fashion Nova, hey girl, take your stimulus money and buy my product. No, that, I don't want to be, um, that company that takes advantage of people. I understand that what I sell is, it's, it's an assess, is it a, is it essential? I guess it depends on who you, or you speak to, but I'm just using this time to just float. Um, mm -hmm. I'm taking this time to lean out my business because now I've got the time, right? So I'm looking at all my apps. I'm looking at all my subscriptions. I'm looking at ways I can cut um, you know, cut my, my, my money because the same, I don't have the same revenue coming in as I did, you know, a year, a year ago. Um, and so then I'm, it's, I'm taking the time to, to get lean again, because of course, you know, over time you get bloated. Um, so now it's like, I'm doing a, a business detox, you know, I'm getting rid of products that aren't moving and focusing on what will move, um, you know, providing more value for my customers and, and creating content that, um, that will help either be, you know, a resource or a relief to them. So that's what I'm focusing on. Do you feel like in some ways, Vivian, you're kind of rewinding to whenever you first started kinky, curly, yucky, because for me, I'm coming back to the basics so much. Like I'm coming back into niching down because I did get deep and then I widened out my customer base, but I'm finding myself coming back down to niching down and that education piece. Like, oh, I could create some really cool content for this specific person. I'm going to get back to that. Are you doing some of that too? I am. I am. And especially and especially in Vivian K. Um, because of course it gets really, it gets really exciting to want to do all these things. But then, you know, just the other day, someone from Shopify reached out and said, we have a lot of brick and mortar stores that need to get quickly, get online quickly. Um, and we're getting overwhelmed with that. I think someone, I think, and you know, they're like, wink, wink. I would love to see someone create something to help these brick and mortar stores get up and running. Right. So then it, it made me realize I need to just get back to basics. Like you can go learn SEO. You can go learn that stuff, but people are looking for basic stuff. So that's, yeah, it's just the perfect, now is the perfect time if you can. Um, and that's, I hate to say that COVID is, is making that possible, but take time in your business to detox it because over time it will get, it will get bloated. It will start to have acne and you don't know why. Well, girl, just sit down, drink some lemon water and see what happens. Love it. Okay. We have two listener questions that I would like to throw out here to sort of wrap this up if you don't mind. Um, one is even if you are being yourself, you still get vulnerability hangovers. How do you deal with those? Vulnerability hangovers. Um, honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't think I've ever had that happen. I, you know, I show up honestly, because I show up, like if I don't want to show up, like, you know, I usually show up online, like on my Instagram stories. If I don't want to show up, I just don't show up. Mm -hmm. But then there's sometimes when I'm going through something and I feel like, you know what, is this a teaching? Would this help someone that's watching me? You know what? I think it will. So then I'll share that. Or when I'm ready, I will. So I, I've never had hangovers. Like I've never been online, been, oh my God, whoa, 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 whoa. I've never done that. If anything, what I, I do is I, I'm okay to not be okay and I will sit in that not okayness 
And then when I'm ready, I come back out and I'm like, hey guys, I wasn't okay and I'm okay with that. But here's how I got, here's how I got through it and here's how you can do it too. I've also noticed a couple of other things that you've mentioned along the way that probably help with this vulnerability hangover, which I do suffer from. But here's what I've learned from you, Vivian. One is make sure that you're showing up in the places that are your jam. So you were like, this here is my jam. Speaking at a beauty conference about hair extensions, not my jam. So really knowing what's for you and what's not for you, what you like, what you don't like, goes a really long way in avoiding vulnerability hangovers. And then two, being okay with people not liking you. And again, maybe it's something about turning 40. I'm a couple years away, but I'm looking forward to it because no fucks given. You just stop giving a fuck. (laughs) Right. So I think there's that as well. Um, And then also just the clarity on who you are and what you do and what you don't do. All right. Next question for you. What do you love most about what you do? So much. So much like, sorry, I'm about to get emotional. So like today I had, I got a a comment on a post that I made. No, actually there's a couple of things. A post that I just made recently where one of my followers sent it to me and I was on her vision board. I was on there with Oprah. I was on there with Michelle Obama and there was little old Vivian the college dropout single mother that everybody counted out. And even, even last night, someone made a comment that, you know, they were looking for a sign. They wanted to start a business, but they had that imposter syndrome in their, in their brain, trying to eat away at their idea. And she decided she wanted to go register this business. And this business happened to feature me on their website. And she went to the website and she asked God for a sign. That's what happened. She asked the universe for a sign. And she went to this website to go and register her business. And there I was. And I looked like her. So to the people who are like, you know, who feel like, you know, oh, it needs to be inclusive. It needs to be this. It needs to be that. When you've been living in this world without seeing yourself for so long, and when you start to see people who look like you, who resonate with you, who have your story, you just that's what I live for. I want everybody to know. It doesn't matter what your background is, what kind of circumstances you had to overcome. Representation matters. It really does. So whether you're skinny, you're fat, you're this, you're that, you're cellulite, you're black, you're white, whatever it is, show up. And I'm so very, very, very proud of all the shit (laughs) that I've gone through because I say that shit is manure. Manure, they, you, you use manure to grow things, right? Manure helps you thrive. It helps you flourish. So think of all the shit that you go through as manure. And, it, and, and so I take that manure and I, and I, and I tell everybody, listen, I got, I got speckles of shit all over my face. This is how I look. You don't like it. That's your problem. But take me as I am. So that's what I find great joy. That's, this is what I love to do. It's, And I wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I wouldn't. Well, you have all the bosses crying now. (laughs) (laughs) Go over there and read the chat. They're giving you hugs. We have eyes sweating. (laughs) People are offering to take your shit for you. (laughs) I know. We're all like, we take you as you are. Come live with us. Just come move into my house because you're the best. (laughs) Like, I just... Girl, like we only have one life to live. It would be such a shame to not live it because you were so busy worried about your frown lines and what someone, what so-and-so thinks. And girl, like live your life. Mm. I love it. Okay. Last question. First, thank you for sharing. No, oh, sorry. I sort of went all over the place with that, but I was it's just, good. I was in my zone. You do you. <laughs> you do I, I feel like that was a good ending, but yeah. now we're going to bring it back practical, I guess. (laughs) No, actually just, just closing question. The usual being boss podcast closing question, Vivian, and maybe this, you even answered it, but we'll see what makes you feel most boss. What makes me feel most boss is when I, 
is when I, I when I just say something that someone had hadn't even thought of, and they say that it changed, it inspired them, it changed their life. And to me, that's I, I could care. Honestly, money comes and goes, money comes and goes, people come and go. Um, but how you make people feel is what makes me. That's what that's that that's that boss shit right there. Mm. Agreed. Well, you have certainly made us feel so inspired. Thank you so much, Vivian. It has been a, such a pleasure having you on the show. Oh, yeah, it was. It was. I, I really appreciate you, ladies. It, it's been an absolute pleasure, and you are absolutely welcome. All right, I'm going to wrap this up with a shout out to our sponsors. We have FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. Thank you to Podia and ShopGood in Oklahoma City. I also want to do a shout out to our swag bag contributors. Thank you to Band of Weirdos, Andrea Holmes Art Studio, Metal Marvels, Social Granola, Denisa Art, Free Period Press, Chicken Coop Botanicals, Hawks and Doves, Modern Mystic, and Almanac Supply Co. You can find links to all of those and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at www.beingboss.club. Thanks for listening. And hey, if you want more resources, we're talking worksheets, free trainings, in-person meetups, vacations, and more. Go to our website at www.beingboss.club. Do the work, be boss.